Welcome everybody to Modern Life Podcast. We're talking about Jojo Rabbit today. The movie that just came out. We're keeping it. We're keeping it current. Woo! <laughs> Whoop. What's his name? Tight. I never Taika Waititi. Yep. I did it. We're talking about Taika Waititi's Jojo Rabbit. It's amazing. We need to talk about it. So, without further ado, let's just dive right into it. So, Jojo, I'm sure we can figure out something for you to do. Oh. Ideas? Yeah. Guys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we need somebody to walk the clones. Also, I think maybe he could hand out this new propaganda. But as always, before we get going, we're going to do our little modern thoughts segment. Who wants to start today? I started last week. I'll start. So I am just going to highlight an article that I read regarding this girl who is like 17 years old. She goes to school and she gets like her friends like come and basically like tell her that there's this new girl that started. She's like three years younger. They look like twins. Well, instantly they like met and like had this weird connection and they couldn't figure it out. And they like started like hanging out and then they like eventually ended up taking a selfie because everybody takes selfies these days. Let me take a selfie. A selfie? And they ended up showing it to their parents and like one of their parents like kind of started asking like a couple questions, like weird questions about it, but they didn't say anything. And like a week later... Wait, about the selfie? Yeah. They were like, oh, that girl does look really like, when was she born? Okay. Kind of thing. Uh, come to find out that a week later that the girl's... The younger girl's parents, or no, the 17-year-old's parents gets um, arrested, and she gets brought to a Safeway house, basically, and told that her parents stole her at birth. And I guess my modern thought is just like, I don't see both sides. Babies. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't see both sides. No, no, no. I'm not saying I see both sides. She had a really hard time like connecting with the biological parents because, you know, she's 18, she's 18 years with these other people that mm-hmm. she thought were her parents, you know? And like, I guess the father never knew the mother, like pretended like had it, like had an, a miscarriage and then like pretended to carry on, um, as pregnant. So the dad actually thought she had the child. So he had no idea. How's supposedly. I don't know that that's a little, but there's no proof. So he was never charged with anything. The mother was charged with like 10 years and the biological, the, she has still to this day has like no relationship with the biological parents because to her, she like, they took her actual mother away and she has like a hard time grasping. I just, I think it's interesting to like have that turmoil in your head of like loving somebody who raised you and like was your parent and then like your biological parent, because I do have a biological mother and I'm not like, I have no connection to her at all. Personal, like a personal choice. But like, I, I, I literally would not care if she dropped dead tomorrow. So I think that there is that in your head of like, I don't know. I, I just feel like it's an interesting story. I wanted to highlight it. You guys have any opinions? No, I just can't. It's insane. I already said this, but I can't imagine like giving birth and then the nurse coming in and telling you, oh, your baby's gone. Your baby's been snatched up. I just... Yeah, I think that I just, I read it from a different perspective, which is interesting because I'm a mother, so I should have read it from a perspective of being the biological parent. But I think it's it's written from her point of view. It's like, it highlights like things I wouldn't think of. Um... Yeah, no, that would be horrible. It would be, it would, I would never get over it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, don't snatch babies. 
That's yes. horrible. It's a horrible it's situation. Horrible. How do you go on living after someone snatches your baby? It's crazy. They ended up having like another kid like three years later. I'm surprised that I don't know. Like I wouldn't be. I wouldn't have been surprised if you like split up after having. It's like so traumatic. Oh, no? they didn't stay together. Oh well, there you go. <laughs> But they did stay together long enough to have another kid, like three years I later, see. and then and then they split. That's I think bizarre. a couple years after that, yeah. Hmm. Oh, it's a hot mess. Hot mess. That was terrible. But the girl, the eighteen-year-old, actually decided to like stay with the non-biological. Like she ended up like moving in with the non-biological parent, the one that snatched her. The the father that supposedly didn't know. Hmm. Mm. How like would you that not? Was comfort. How would you not know? I don't know. Well, she, supposedly the mom like faked it, like f- like b- like continued to like dress as she was pregnant. Yeah, but when do you go to the hospital to give birth? You're the father's not there. To, I don't know. I don't I, know. I, I think it's weird, but she is she working a lot. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, hey, I pumped out this baby last night. Like here it is. <laughs> yeah. No, it's a weird Very thing. It, and I think it's strange that she like has no resentment to them. But they must have been good, really good parents in order for her to have well. no resentment. Hmm. It's an interesting thought. All right, I'm going next. Uh, okay. I read an article. It came out on the 3rd of October about a month ago by Marco Margaritov. It is about Herculaneum, which is the town that was right next to Mount Vesuvius, which broke out in 79 AD, I have written down. So they have all these scrolls from a pretty much intact library um, of antiquity, and they call it the Villa of Papyri. Um, And these are all, I mean, right, the lava, not lava, it wasn't really a lot of lava, but like there's a lot of hot ash and coal and whatever happens when this mountain Mm. series broke out. So you can't just unravel these scrolls, they'll just fall apart as soon as the ink is exposed to the light and the air, it'll... You can't read them anymore. Mm-hmm. So they have these like charcoalized scrolls that they're trying to figure out what's written in there because it's huh. a really cool look into. You don't have a lot of scrolls left over. Like this is a really rare, cool find that they've just had sitting there because they don't know what to do with so it. You need like special technology. They to just read them? came up with Leaf something blower. called blow the, <laughs> blow the ash. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Something called synchrotron. Which is an X-ray machine that projects light brighter than the sun, which is just something I can say but can't really How is that imagine. Possible? Yeah. Um, Wait, an X. Okay, so it's X. Well, it's X-rays that are brighter than the sun. Yes, right? X-ray technology. But huh. then you have to program and train the computer to recognize ink from charcoal and recognize the text and what's written there. And once they have all that figured out, they can then apply all that technology to all these other scrolls that are too old to unravel. And they will then have access to all this knowledge and writing from antiquity. And I thought that was really, really cool. So that's it. Oh, that's pretty cool. Damn. But they haven't, so they, I mean, have they, they're just working on that now? They haven't like found the, uh, they have to work on There's nothing read on there yet? uh, Yeah, they have to work on the program to be able to, Teach the computer what to recognize and what to fil- filter out, huh. I guess, from the images. Like what is text and what is... That's interesting. Uh, mine's not as interesting as yours. Mine's about CarMax. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy and I went to Starmax. Uh, Starmax? Car- Starmax? CarMax? CarMax. CarMax yesterday. <laughs> I'm trying to sell my car, which is worth 
on the private market, like, I don't know, 12, 13 grand. I'm like, eh, let's see what CarMax will give me, right? Because that'll make life easy. He's 50 bucks done. (laughs) Just about. (laughs) I get there. I have to wait an hour for them to, like, inspect my car, right? Which, by the way, his car is in perfect condition. Daddy takes care of his car, right? Very obsessed with his Um, car. Very German. (laughs) Yes. This thing is like 90,000 miles on it, but like, it, I mean, you wouldn't, the interior is, it's flawless. And it has a <laughs> brand new transmission. Brand, uh, the list goes on and on. Anyways, so after an hour of waiting, the lady comes over and like hands me the paper with the offer on it for seven grand. She's like, you have any questions? I'm like, No. Wait, hold on. But you didn't mention the part where we sat down and she goes to like show us the Bl- Kelly Blue Book. She's like, this is how much, you know, you can expect. Like, this is kind of the range, value range of your car, which for trade-in is like 10 grand. And then they come like, oh, so infuriating. No, but remember what she picked. Like, she she like, your car is in like almost perfect condition. She's like, oh, let's pick good. Which is like... Oh, yeah. When you go to Kelly Blue Book and you get your value, it's like, what conditions your car? And it's like, fair, good, very good, excellent. And it's this thing no one else would notice, but I notice these things that salespeople do. When she's putting all info, she's like, hmm, condition of your car, let's just say it's good. Which is... Good is the second worst one, right? It's so it basically <laughs> means it has dings or it like the interior is messed it's up. It's just this thing that like barely gets mentioned that hugely it's the key component of the Kelly Blue Book value that like no one's going to notice when they're sitting there at the car dealership. But uh, in the back of my head, I'm like, like, she's just glossing over it. Like I know what she's doing, but even with the good, it's like the car is still worth nine to 10 grand. And then I'm sitting there for an hour on a Saturday morning and they give me a seven grand offer. It's just, it was so infuriating because it's just such a waste of my time on did a Saturday. Did you just walk out? Or did you yeah, just I just, I was, I just like walked out. I'm like, I will never buy a car here. I will never sell. Like, that. that's it. Like, I don't know how these people are in business. CarMax is the biggest, most successful used car dealer, and I'm not sure how. It's, because they rip people off and then sell the car for $5,000 It's more. like an insulting offer, and you're wasted, like, I had to drive down. You're like, you wasted two hours of my time. Like, oh, uh, so yeah, that's my modern thought. Don't go to CarMax. Take that, CarMax. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Should we move on to JoJo? Yeah. What's wrong, little man? <laughs> oh, man. If you, need, if you haven't seen this movie, you need to go see it. And then you need to come back and listen to this. It's, I think it's a, it's a perfect movie. Yeah. It's so good. But it's gotten mixed reviews. But it's doing good at the box office, so that's good. Do you want to tell us what the movie's about? The movie, well, it's a satire on, uh, I guess, on Nazi Germany, right? And it's about this little boy who's in, I mean, he's like, what, Hitler Youth, mm-hmm. right? And he has this imaginary friend, which is... Taika Waititi, the director, and he's playing <laughs> he's playing Hitler. It sounds ridiculous as I'm saying it. It is ridiculous, but it is amazing. Well, it's based on what book, Tubby? Caging Skies, Caging which I haven't Skies. read. I'm sorry. We try to take wow. this very seriously that's and a, be prepared, but I just That's couldn't. a modern life first. <laughs> um, do it. The movie walks a beautiful line of comedy and tragedy. It is a perfect... It is what a satire is supposed to be. 
And I think everyone needs to watch it. But there's some people that have been like weirded out by the movie, I would say. Some people think it doesn't go deep enough, but it, it's it's supposed to be a comedy. Well, from the reviews, either there's like three camps from what I can tell. Either people love it or they think it doesn't doesn't say enough. It doesn't make a big enough point about how bad Nazi Germany was. Or then there's a third camp, which just thinks the movie's not funny, which I think is the worst camp. Like you're in, if you don't think this movie's funny, I'm, I'm sorry. It's it's a very the comedy is very British, almost. No, is kind it? No. no, I think it's just funny. <laughs> Sorry, he's not even a British. He's from New Zealand. Like I don't, I, I don't know. It's it's not an American satire. It's not like I don't know. I, so I think I feel like Actually, that's I don't know if Americans do that good with satire. I'm I'm not disagreeing with that fact. I'm just stating that it's very European humor. Like there's a lot of that, and I and I think it's amazing and completely enjoyable. But I feel like that's where the third party is coming in. I don't know mm. if I agree with that but i kind of wanted to talk over just analyzing a satire because i think yeah. it's worth talking about and mentioning it because this is a satire of of beliefs and ideologies not of atrocities committed mm-hmm. you know it's not making fun of you know, the victims of the war and what you said about it being Walking a fine line, um, I watched a lot of interviews in preparation for this, and Taika Waititi did a lot of testing and tonal testing with audiences. How are they reacting? Do hmm. they need something funny here? Is this not? Is this too funny? Is this making light of things? So he's, uh, yeah, he took it extremely well, he's seriously. He's a super thoughtful guy, and everything, yeah. everything in his movies is so meticulously planned out. I mean, I remember there was this one behind the scenes thing i saw with him on like the thor ragnarok movie where it's maybe like a three minute long scene where they're running around you know the planet they get stranded on in that movie Mm -hmm. the town with all the colors Mm -hmm. you maybe see that town for a total of two to three minutes as they're like running they're trying to make it to the to the spaceship Mm -hmm. i don't know if you remember that Mm -hmm. and there's a whole behind the scenes thing of him walking through the town and he's like every single like piece of colorful cloth that's hanging he has like a story for it. and he's like this like this is why this is here and this is why like everything is so meticulously planned out and i just really appreciate him as a filmmaker yeah. for doing that like he you could you just know he's a very he's just not half-assing anything he does absolutely and also um what i was going to say about satires is that People think repeating something harmful is critique, and that's not true. You can't just say something offensive in a funny way, and then you're like, "Oh, I made a powerful comment about this." And I see, and I see that the word of satire be attributed to movies where I really don't think it is appropriate. Like, for example, Anchorman, which I think there's a lot of really funny stuff in there, but I think just saying sexist things over and over isn't really a good critique of sexism. And another example is, what is that, Get Tough or Get Hard movie with Kevin Hart and Will Ferrell where they... I never saw that. Where they, like, just make fun of, like, sexual assault of men the whole time. And then in an interview they say, like, oh, wow, we're covering some really deep, controversial topics. And it's like, no, you're you're not. You're not doing any of the work. Mm. And I think that's that's why I just wanted to point that out and think satire is really misunderstood. When what Taika is going for here is like the Mel Brooks stuff or like the Charlie Chaplin, Great Dictator 
where there's really a lot of thought to it. And even Chaplin said that if he had known what was going on at the time, he wouldn't have made The Great Dictator. Right. Even though that's... Everybody's posted on their Facebook always that speech at the end that he gives, right? Mm -hmm. And then also I watched the uh, Vanity Fair notes on a scene with Taika Waititi and Steve Merchant, Mm -hmm. um, who plays the uh, Gestapo head Mm -hmm. in the movie. Right. And I wrote down some quotes because I think they said some really intelligent stuff in there. So Tiger said he doesn't like when people say comedy isn't an appropriate medium to examine and comment on real world issues, which I totally agree with. Because people say, oh, you can't use comedy to examine this. And I think I agree with him. I think that's wrong. I think comedy can often be not everything has to be a drama to drive home a point. Right. Um, and then Steve Merchant said something really interesting too where he says um this movie fits in in a long tradition of movies that have satirized this period in history uh, chaplin's the great dictator producers in the 60s it seems strange that 80 years later we're feeling that the subject can't be mocked and the absurdity of hitler's um, ideology which he says to taika you've dramatized with a little boy that as soon as you poke holes in these beliefs they fall apart um Mm. and i i I thought that was really poignant and I 100% agree with both of them. And I think this movie does an excellent job of that. And these reviews are not, I don't think they're comprehending you right. know, the, the amount of thought and care that it's being discussed within this movie. Yeah. Very well said. I don't even know what else to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> I think a really great example of that is the Heil Hitler joke, which keeps coming back in the Heil movie. Heil Hitler. Heil Hitler. <laughs> <laughs> because the movie starts out with him just them just screaming it at each other right and then he right. runs out of the house and it's the funniest thing you've ever seen like the opening of the oh, movie the, oh, the first like 10 minutes is so, so good <laughs> and i think by repeating it over and over and this imaginary hitler being like hi me man like it, it it's almost like taking power away from something that is so terrifying mm-hmm. and then later on in the movie when he brings that back because he's like He's trying to make fun of it. He's like, oh, I thought this stupid Heil Hitler thing, like what if they had to say it every time they saw one another, it would be really stupid and funny. And that's what he's doing in the Gestapo scene. But then you also have the gravity of Elsa having to say it. Yeah, I was about to mention that. You get both sides of it. Exactly. So it's funny, but it's also not taking it lightly, but also making fun of this. Like my grandma had the story about my grandpa who was in the Hitler Youth, and I guess he had greeted a neighbor with Guten Tag instead of Heil Hitler, and mm-hmm. the neighbor was really upset about it. And something as simple as that been, can become something kind of right. scary or wrong to do if you're that deep in, you know, living in a dictatorship. Yeah. Mm. So I, that was just one example I had of, like, him really knowing what he's what he's doing. Well, that scene where... So Stephen Merchant is the Gestapo guy and he comes in the house. I think as, as far as the heavy aspect of the subject, mm-hmm. that was like the most scary yeah. part of the movie to me. Especially the opening line when he says, may we come in? Mm-hmm. And it's a pointless question. Right. Because he doesn't, and Jojo doesn't even say anything because you can't say anything. Right. What are you going to say? No. But there's this, because there's just this balance of, yeah, there's these little funny bits, but also just Stephen Merchant he's got this unique look that just the way he's like in all black is also slightly terrifying with his big eyes and then he's also 
two feet taller than everyone, which really adds to it all. And then put him on a box, too. In that do they? Scene. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. <laughs> he's just looking down on everybody. I, I, oh, man, it was really... Like, you didn't know what was going to happen right then and there. And you're like, man, are they going to find out? And yeah. they're just... They're going... It was also so upsetting to me to <laughs> like, for these stupid reasons of, like, just people going through your house so carelessly. Yeah. Because I just imagine the mom being gone and then coming back home. I'm like, what yeah. the hell? Like, what happened? Like, I would be so upset if I came home and all my shit was all over the place. You know what I mean? And Stephen Merchant says about his character that he... It's basically these, like, slimy little bureaucrats who suddenly <laughs> got so much power in the community right. of, like, life and death over people. Yeah. That's how he... That's That was his assessment of his character and what he wanted to portray. By the way, Stephen Merchant, underrated... Well, no. he does a lot of behind. He does a lot of like directing and behind the scenes stuff. So you well, don't. He's, he's in a lot of movies. I forgot yeah. he was in that Logan movie. Like he can be hilarious. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 like he can be hilarious, but he's just also a really good actor, and he's just always playing these little parts, and he's always fantastic. I mean, one of our favorite hot comedies, Hot Fuzz. He's in there for two seconds talking about swans, and it's one of the most <laughs> memorable scenes. <laughs> like I always quote it. <laughs> I, I know he's I just I forget like how good that guy is and he just pops up for like two minutes here and there all the time yeah yeah underrated great job good job Steven keep going um something else I wanted to say about why it works as a satire is that last moment between Jojo and Hitler which you have to have right mm -hmm. you need that right. narrative wise you need Hitler to come back one last time you can't just have that character right. disappear right but then also it's a really good symbolism of even after the war, this hold that this ideology had on you, even when he's dead, you know, you grew up in this world and believing all these things. Mm -hmm. So Taika comes back, he's got that like bullet hole in his head and he's like, one, mm -hmm. one last hell had me. And then Jojo kicking him through the window. <laughs> and that moment of catharsis, like both times I saw the movie, I just wanted to jump up and be like, <laughs> yes, like, and, and if it wasn't a satire, if it was somehow glorifying Hitler, you'd be sad at that moment. And mm -hmm. this is another indicator of why this works, because you're like, yes, finally, like he's free right. of this. Free of the shackles. Free of this influence. And talk about how amazing the cast is. Oh, my gosh. So many notes on it. This is the beauty of... So Taika made some independent movies, then all of a sudden Marvel throws him a bone, and he makes one of the best Marvel movies um, of the last 10 years that's just absolutely entertaining and awesome and different from all you know everything else coming out at the time and then now you have this leverage to be like hey i'm gonna make this really tiny movie but everyone wants to work with you so mm -hmm. you get all these stars to work with you even though you don't really have a big budget because they just want to work with you like it well, nobody no? wanted to... He had this idea for this movie 10 years ago, and he couldn't get right, it off I the believe ground. It. Be, yeah. And then after Thor, they're like, oh, because he's pitching this movie. Like, what if I was like, there's this imaginary Hitler figure. Nobody wants right. to make this movie. And we then Scarlett Johansson said in an interview that she heard about it from Chris Hemsworth, because they're working together, and Chris mm -hmm. Hemsworth knew about this script from working on Thor right. Ragnarok, and then she got involved. Like, yeah, right. people want to be part of it. That's the thing. You, all of a sudden, you're in a overnight you're like in a position of okay whatever you want to do like here's the money for whatever movie like we're not going to question what movie you want to do and then you get these all these you know sam rockwell uh scarlett johansson mm -hmm. um who am i who am i forgetting uh 
Yeah, those are the two. Rebel, Rebel Wilson's Rebel no Wilson, small. Rebel Wilson, Alfie Allen. Yeah, it's just like these people just want to... Because at the end of the day, most of these actors, like they also want to do meaningful like art and good acting work. They don't want to just be in Marvel movies 24-7. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's this I perfect this storm. I think this is best role that I've ever seen her in. Ever? Yeah. yeah. I'm sorry. I thought that she was phenomenal. She did do phenomenal. Yeah, I almost wish... Do you think it's also, hmm, how do I say this? Like, part of me wishes there was even more of her in this movie, yeah, but then it makes it so, so much better yeah. because you only, because she's amazing and you only get so much of her. Yeah. No, I think it, that her, Does that elevate it? I think her role was, like, perfect in Pac-Man. Like, right. you, you, like, she's, like, this, I think too much would have, like, dulled yeah. importance on her. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. What I'm trying right. to say? Yeah, no, it does. Because I think that you just fall in love with her. She's like the perfect mom. Right. Mother. Mother. Yeah, that scene where she is playing, pretending to be the dad. Like, the dad scene amazing. is incredible. Yeah. The entire, that entire dinner scene, I think it's one of the great scenes. It reminds me a little bit of the bar scene in Glorious Bastards. Just mm-hmm. because so much happens in that scene. To me, mm-hmm. that's one of the greatest just scenes in one set. Right. And the dinner table scene... So much happens narrative-wise. You find out stuff about the dad. You have so many sweet moments right. acting in that when she's like dancing with the bottle. It's just, I'm like crying. It's so oh incredible. My God. And also the beginning of it is so funny when Hitler's sitting at the table with them and he's doing the like head movements. They're like, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whenever Jojo says something. <laughs> like, I, I just thought it was it was brilliant from, from beginning to end. Well, just I, that I scene. think... You also, like, we forget, oh, yeah, Scarlett Johansson is a really good actress. Because, I mean, what has she been in? Uh, I, I will run it down for you. She was in Marriage Story, which I never saw. That's right? coming out. I that think, is it's it a new out? one, yeah. I'm saying before that, that we well, have... Well, that one's supposed to be really good. So the last Netflix two movies movie, was right? Jojo Rabbit and Marriage oh, Story. Before that, you have Avengers, Captain Marvel, Avengers... <laughs> Then she's the voice in that Isle of Dog movie. She's in that her, she's comedy her. In Ru- of Rough Night, which I never saw. She's in Ghost in the Shell. Then she's another voice in an animated movie, Captain America. Another voice in Jungle Book. Like, she's just doing action oh, movies and voiceover. I know, but it's just... There's more of an impact when you see the actual actor. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, the last... And this is back to 2006, 2015, Avengers again. I mean... I'm trying to the the, she, the the last real move like 2014 Chef every, between 2000 she was barely in that yeah but I'm saying but she's great in it I'm saying between 2014 and now it's just been mostly action movies and voiceovers and then you see her in this and you're like oh yeah Scarlett Johansson's amazing we forgot oh my god like she's incredible. better than just Black Widow and the. The kid who plays Jojo, who's also amazing, he said it was really helpful to him to have somebody working with somebody else who's also a child actor and who could, you know, feel what he was going right. through. And she has right. she comes from a similar background and experience. Yeah, she's amazing. Oscar nominee? I hope we'll she see. gets nominated for this, yeah. But I, part of me hopes, it's kind of evil, but watching the movie, <laughs> I was kind of like, I wish she was a little less brave because like she's maybe don't go around like she's such a like ideal like 
freedom fighter to the point where that oh she's not very really, careful at all she's not she has no. she is responsible for two people mm-hmm. and they're they're probably also already like on the bad list because there's some gossip about the dad right then she's got maybe don't go around like distributing <laughs> leaflets like when you already have so much other dangerous stuff that you're yeah. dealing with and also yeah. at the dinner table scene where she tells her son who's been indoctrinated and Nazi youth were instructed to report on their parents mm-hmm. and to keep tabs on their parents. Um, she she tells him that she's not in favor of the war and that she also has access to real news and troop movement. I'm like, maybe... Which is part of the theme of the movie. How do you raise a kid to be a good right. person when they're when that's not Everything an option, around them when it's not, not allowed? Yeah. So it makes sense for the movie, but it I was just so terrified in that scene when she's like... Mm. Life is great. Like the Allies have taken Italy or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like maybe don't tell your son that. Right. Because <laughs> as soon as he tells it to someone else, they're going to be like, how would you know that? Yeah. <laughs> Ugh, scary. I don't. I, I mean, so my favorite character is definitely Sam Rockwell in this movie, I would say. Yeah, by far. I mean, not by far. They're actually all really good. The little boy is the best friend. I just, I like, I just, I like (laughs) Sam. Yeah. (laughs) It's just something you don't always see a lot where it's, okay, here's this guy. He's in the ranks. He's a Nazi. But there's like, there's a real nuance. Like, cause it's always like not every, every Nazi is just like the devil where Sam Rockwell's character, he doesn't really care about the Jews that much. Right. He just wants to be fabulous. <laughs> he wants With to the be fabulous, fabulous costume. <laughs> I love that. I just I just think it's he's got a really nice nuance in his character and then yeah, I mean he's hilarious and he's also super gay. And well, I think he also feels a little guilty at the end when she when he tells Jojo your mom was an actually good person. I always mm-hmm. wonder if he's kind of reflecting upon himself and then he does that last act of like, you know, saving Jojo. Right. He doesn't feel like he did the most he could have done, maybe. Right, because his because the mom like didn't compromise on her beliefs to where it's I mean, I'm not making excuses for anybody, but She's irresponsible though at the same time. It's really (laughs) like I don't know if like people realize it's so hard. Like, what do you do when everything around you is not within your beliefs. Like, do you you try to fit in? Like, do you go totally against the grain? It's a really... Oh, I would try to fit in. I would be yeah. terrified. I would be terrified all day. Like, I... Right. I, yeah, but it's... It, I mean, that's... That's what... That's but the that's what enabled the whole is. thing. That's right. Enabled totally. The whole thing. Is it... it uh, just yeah, standing there I'm and doing nothing. I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, if I had been alive, I no, would no, have no, saved no. it. It's the thing is, everyone, like, points... You know, you point to Hitler... For the Nazis, when the reality is it's every individual in that country that ultimately enables it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because nobody is standing up to it. Right, but I also can't imagine that level of fear and indoctrination living in a dictatorship. Because you you can say the same thing about why is nobody in North Korea just like standing up and... I'm not saying it's easy or everyone. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's really it's a way more complicated issue than that. Exactly, which the movie does a great job, right? I'm showing. But yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, well, do you just go along and enable all this, and then you're you know you end up being part of the problem, or do you completely? I mean, risk death, but go with your values and beliefs. That's I just I I don't think that she would have been the same. 
everything she did was mm-hmm. kind of challenging authority. I don't think that you could have buy, bought into the character if she wasn't as brave as she was. But she already did so much. Like, part of me was like, just be more careful. <laughs> yeah. I'm just scared the whole time. And I, I think that's what you hardly nowadays you ever get shocked in a movie mm-hmm. and her death in the movie which was again brilliant the whole thing with the mm-hmm. shoes i did not see that coming at all and I, both I, times i'm like it's sickening almost and you don't really have those reactions in movies anymore you it guys just, like you guys wondered your- why i didn't cry because i'm a very easy crier um <laughs> But I think it was because I knew that was going to happen. Oh, I didn't know. Of course, all. you knew. No, Stacey knows all the. Then why did it. you sit there going? Because <gasps> <laughs> I, I, the way they did it. The way they did it is really me. yeah. The way they did it surprised me. I think that was. Ugh. I mean, I knew something was up with the shoes because they kept going to it, but I didn't realize. No, and know. I knew that there was something with the whole making the kids stare at that because they like. I knew to that was going to happen because I knew he was in the same plaza again. And he's just following this butterfly, and like I knew he was gonna run into these people hanging there. But then you're like, oh, I like didn't know his mom was gonna be yeah. there. Yeah, I mean, it was just yeah. it was it was very visually it was very visually shocking for me. Incredible, but it was not surprising emotionally, if that makes sense. Hmm. It was for me. This movie was it worked on me completely. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. But just last part on Sam Rockwell, we just need to give a shout out to his costume at the end of the movie. I want to wear Which that. is amazing. <laughs> his like eyebrow raise with the like eyeliner eye. and yeah. feathers on his helmet. And, oh, it's so good. <laughs> like, I just, how is that not funny to people? Like, yeah, I don't get if it. If you don't think this movie is funny, like you are dead inside. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... <laughs> just the opening 20 minutes it, it just start right when you get fox 20th century and you know usually it's the drums like dun 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 and oh yeah it goes into like this nazi music which is the theme they composed for the for the movie which i really like like right i was already laughing i'm already laughing as the 20th Century Fox yeah, logo is popping that's up. that's amazing, actually. <laughs> it's not easy to do. Like, I don't think people realize that. And then just him, just the boy yelling with Hitler, like this pep talk. Like, yeah. <laughs> and the boy's just running out of the house and he's so happy. So oh, it's just so amazing. <laughs> just like dying laughing. <laughs> like lit- oh, just everything. Like when, when Tyke is like, I have to go. We're having unicorn tonight for dinner. Just and then he jumps out of the window. <laughs> just like gone. <laughs> I think my favorite part, which was also in the trailer, which I don't know, you can not like you can watch this trailer and not be excited for this movie, but maybe I'm just more familiar with Tiger's work. But that scene of them running. We're running like a couple of antelopes and Taika's running sideways with Uh, the uh, finger uh, guns. (laughs) (laughs) I wish you could see Sam right now. I'm shimmying. I'm shimmying in my seat. incredible. It's the best thing I've ever seen. I just looked over at Tabby and there's... Tabby got a tattoo oh, under, yeah. and I just got. I'm like, what is that? I'm like, oh yeah, I keep Tabby got a tattoo. Too. I'm getting have <laughs> like, to get really used weirded to it. out. <laughs> you have to get used to it. Well, so I want to talk about why maybe this doesn't work for people because I feel like because they're stupid. No, I just feel people 
maybe in the U.S. specifically, have a very different way of thinking about World War II. They love thinking about World War II. Yeah, but They're not with it. not in a comedy way because yeah, I think I they, like they like I think two. they think of Pearl Harbor and like innocent kids going to war and like having to fight the Nazis. Like, I they think of Saving Private Ryan. You know, like I think it's very much more dark and serious as to where. Like, you know, our, like, we're just one or two generations removed from, you know, our grandpa was, you know, they tried, I think, I mean, yeah, you, gonna, you're, you're going to dive into that, that more, you. but like, he was involved in that whole time, you know, he was a kid growing up in that time, like, we're not that far removed from it, and so, I don't know, maybe when you have that, when you're born in Germany and you grew up with that, and you have that kind of dark cloud hovering over you, like, you need that humor, maybe, like, I, I like seeing... I want to see the humor in this. Right, but then also just going back to what Steve Merchant says, then why? Because all these movies like The Great Dictator and The Producers, they're all made by Americans. You know, they're all... Why could we be funny last century and now we can't be funny anymore? But that's with a lot of things. I I feel like we're going through this whole time in the United States where we're like, everything is being taken so seriously and so sensitively that you're like so scared to like... I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but if I'm in the hands of a filmmaker who's this incredible and this talented, don't you feel safe Because I think, you know what, okay, like, I don't know. Well, the the dictator was forever ago. Like, let's take a more recent example, the producers, because maybe it's, it's one degree removed from it. It's Jewish guys on Broadway making a musical about it. With this movie, it's like there's someone playing Hitler right there. And I don't know if people get really weirded out with that. Like yesterday, you know, so I'm a I'm a bartender restaurant and I'm talking to these regulars who are they go see movies all the time. So that's what I talk to them about. Like, hey, what are you guys seeing this they're going to movie like every single weekend. I'm like, what are you guys seeing? And they were asking me, like, have you seen anything recently? I'm like, Well, I saw Jojo Rabbit on Thursday, like that was so good. And they both both of them looked at me and they're like, Really? Like it looked really weird in the trailer. And I just It didn't I just don't yeah, yeah, I just I can't click with that like because we both watched the trailer and we were like oh the second i saw a trailer i'm like this is amazing i'm gonna go see this that's what i'm talking about with the difference in the humor right like i feel like and i know it it's time and time again i see like these kind of like i i think the first one i watched with you was um i don't remember the name Hmm? Where they were like trying to clean. You just quoted Hot it. Fuzz. Yeah, Hot yeah. Fuzz. Um, <laughs> but it's like that kind of humor. It's like over the top, but it's not like a druggy movie, which is like where I think we go a lot of times with oh, like that's humor. True. Or like it's just really it, it's, it's drug smart. Humor. It's like smart, ridiculous. <laughs> Does that make sense? I, I feel like we don't do that in the United States a lot. Like smart, ridiculous. I don't know, maybe, but maybe that's just mainstream. I don't want to make this blanket statement about like no, no, no Americans I'm just aren't about, smart enough. No, 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 like, no, 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 no. I'm not making that. I'm just saying there's a difference in the humor, and you guys don't seem to grasp it. But I was I like born and raised here, and I feel like I see the difference. I like the humor, though. Does that make sense? Well, no, I, I know the difference in the humor. It's right now, like, oh, these American comedies are going through this. It's all very verbal improv humor to where some other stuff coming out like hot fuzz and like jojo rabbit yeah that's maybe part of it but there's other part there's other kinds of humor like like physical humor which i'm a huge fan of 
Americans do that really well, don't you think? Or some American... Like Ryan I feel Reynolds like, and... Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like we used to be better at it. Like, I, I think of Kramer on Seinfeld. Right, or right. And now I think of... East Ventura. We, we had this generation of, like... Like Will Ferrell, who can be hilarious, but it's all, you know, and Judd Apatow, where it's all very much, hey, we're going to just roll the camera and you improvise and try to say funny things. There isn't a lot of that physical humor going on. But that's why I love movies like Hot Fuzz, because well, it does like add we, that stuff in I feel there. like we went through a phase in the early night, like with like Ace Ventura and like very, like Jim Carrey was very physical. Like in right, humor. I think that like people got kind of, of that. like tired, tired of it. it. Yeah. Even someone like Ryan Reynolds, who is amazing physically you put him in a comedy action movie like deadpool and it's all about like okay what's the filthiest thing this character can like there it's just all it's a lot more verbal so i don't know hmm. i actually have um i'm going to change topic slightly because i want to talk about the accents because uh you just <laughs> reminded me about the improvisation bit mm -hmm. um because steve merchant said that i i don't know why i watched a lot of stuff with him but because when you're learning an accent for a role and it's a drama or a thriller, you have your rehearsed lines. Mm -hmm. But then when, an, when a director is telling you, oh, just improvise, just play around, it's very difficult to do that while right. also keeping an accent. Mm. And then Sam Rockwell said they had to, they fixed a lot of stuff in EDR afterwards, which is voiceover. Mm -hmm. And the accents here aren't, they're not perfect, but that's what makes it so it's cute part of the charm, and enjoyable yeah. because you, I've also never seen this many different kinds of people where you have australian yeah. new zealand american <laughs> different uk accents you know like the protagonist accents is very different from steve merchant's accent like jojo's friend i thought just had a british twang to it the whole time yeah which he does he's a british kid but it's like it doesn't matter in a satire it doesn't need to be yeah completely historically accurate it actually kind of adds to the charm i think right Rebel wilson's like australian german accent <laughs> is hilarious it's so adorable like, Sam Rockwell has a terrible German accent, but it doesn't matter. Sam Rockwell, what um, what trips him up and what trips most Americans up is adding too much uh, roticity in your accent, mm -hmm. which is pronouncing R's, which you don't do in, right. in German accents. That's why British accents can sometimes sound more authentic when they're trying to do a German Dude, accent. The, the Taika as Hitler had the best German accent, I thought. But we already right? knew that from yeah. <laughs> what we do in the shadows, where That's he true. nails it. Even when he's speaking in German, it sounds he sounds like a native. Yeah. But sometimes his Kiwi accents come comes out, and then it you're does. like, "Oh, that's adorable!" Like that's really, <laughs> I like that. And but actually, something um, about Sam Rockwell's accent that I that I really liked. Uh, some of his stuff that he says is so spot on. Like he can obviously mm -hmm. do it. He's working hard on it. Like that line where he's like, "Maybe we can think of something for you to do." Like it sounds right. spot on. And also, he does something that I found really cool, where he's just pronounced. It's not an accent, but he's just pronouncing English words with um, German phonology rules. So mm -hmm. he'll say, like, blowing stuff up. So if yeah. I'm speaking with an accent, I would still say stuff. I wouldn't say stuff, right. but he adds that sh sound in there, and then it makes it more like, oh, this is kind of Germanish, you know? Yeah. And I thought, I like that. I thought it was really endearing. And when you also have to think about, like, so someone like Sam Rockwell, who is just doing a million movies all the time, and then you have this small budget movie that's probably being shot in a month and a half. Is it small budget? A month and a half? I, I guarantee you. I, let's see. What is the budget for what? this? Dude, I'm telling you that, especially for his his part got shot in a couple of weeks. He's not in the movie like that much. So you have, I'm just, 
it's not like a $200 million movie where there's three months to prep. And, you know, he probably has a few weeks to prep his accent. I'm not making any excuses for you, Sam. You're still perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a $13 million budget. That's nothing. Mm. Especially considering all the stars. It doesn't look like it. It looks really good. Oh, no, it looks amazing. But, like, you know, all these actors are busy. Taika's getting ready to make another Thor movie. as like, two other movies in production. Like, there's not a lot of, you know, prep on the, like... Well, how long did it take to film? It's mm, a great question. I'm, I'm just telling you, it couldn't have been that long. It's it's a few months at most. Cause they, they all have a lot going on. And it's not like this yeah. movie has a bunch of special effects. And it's all in a few different locations. Like, you're, you're knocking this movie out in a few months. Yeah. Hmm. I just think of someone like... Like Packy, who we know, who can film a whole horror movie in like a month and a half. Oh right! And, you know, like it because you're just working like twenty four seven, and you're just knocking, and you're just knocking the movie out. Yeah, it's not like a six month Avengers shoot. <laughs> I'm just to finish with the accents really quick. Scarlett Johansson's accent, which I think only wavered once when in that bedroom scene where she's putting Jojo to bed. Mm-hmm. What I loved about it. And it's so authentic to me because it sounds like my mom and it doesn't sound cartoonish. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't sound like somebody trying to do an accent. It just right. sounds like somebody having an accent. And uh, I hope she gets nominated for Best Supporting Role for this or something because she just, she just blew my mind in this. thought it was incredible. And then the main kid who tried to do an accent once or twice but didn't quite get it. That's fine. He's, he's a little kid. This is like first acting yeah, role ever, and too, he was by the way. Amazing. And watch, watching it the second time, I really paid attention to when something emotional happened and his voice almost wavers and he's so in touch mm-hmm. with his emotions and portraying that on film. I'm like, what? How can a little kid do that? <laughs> and, yeah. And they've really lucked out with this, both the kids, him and Archie Yates, who's, who's also hilarious. What, what, what's his name? Yorkie in the, in the film? He's like, at uh, your service. He's been in something else, he's hasn't he? Because I've, seen, oh, I've yeah. seen him in yeah. a bunch of things. I think so, but I'm cont- it's, I think his name is Archie Yates. Let's find out. Your cute little face. <laughs> What's he been in? Oh, yeah. This is, no, this is the only thing he's ever been in. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's incredible. Huh. He, yeah, he looks like somebody he else. He looks then. familiar. Huh. I don't know. But, I mean, Taika works with likes to work with kids so i yeah. think he also has a talent of maybe communicating with them and finding children who are gonna fit or he's very young at heart but he's a clown he is a clown <laughs> um why don't you talk about the beatlemania thing because you had to explain that to me in the beginning because i didn't catch that at all it makes you glad you brought that up because i'm like if someone as smart as you isn't catching some things then ha- like, i just don't know anything about music no it just makes me wonder is the average audience like there's no way they're getting all the jokes right like, is that also part of the disconnect, maybe? Huh. I don't know. That was just a thought I had. But nobody else is laughing at, that's just my two finger. Like, that line is <laughs> yeah. hilarious to me, but... <laughs> yeah, so in the beginning of the movie, it's cutting all these... All this Black and White World War II footage of people just going crazy. It's cutting it together in the same style some of the Beatlemania footage was cut together. And it's just showing, like, girls passing out and people screaming and like... It, it's, but it's a Nazi rally. And it's like it's showing Hitler coming off the plane, which is that famous footage of the Beatles landing around the world. And, you know, they're coming out. It, it's it's just cut in that very same style. And it's also playing a German cover of I Want to Hold Your Hand from the Beatles. 
over that. I it's just, the Beatles actually singing that. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Okay, I didn't have time to look that up, but it. I was like, that sounds like the Beatles trying. They actually do a decent job singing in German. Um, yeah, they did well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just I thought that was just so unique, and it was also really funny. And again, really, I mean, it just sets the tone for the satire. But you're just it's part of the whole intro, and you're laughing. I'm like, oh, that's that's like genius. That's really yeah. funny. And. From what I saw, Taika wanted to uh, contemporize it and give it more of a modern mm-hmm. uh, comparison. Sure. But he isn't saying, like, Beatles fans are, like, Nazis. That wasn't... Oh, God. That wasn't the point. Was that I a can YouTube see somebody, like, <laughs> writing that on Instagram. <laughs> How <laughs> dare they use the Beatles song over Hitler footage? Which is chilling. It's chilling to watch that. That oh, fanaticism yeah. and oh, yeah. militarism. and mm. it's, it's absolutely Good terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk about the color palette, uh, which was very intentional by Taika because he says Germany was very colorful at the time and we only see World War II movies mm-hmm. in this dirt, brown, muted, yeah, a lot of brown, tanks, Beige. gray, and just the wallpaper in the house was mm-hmm. such a pleasure and such a joy to look at. And the set design was incredible. You see that a little bit in... Um, in Glorious Bastards too, though, I think, where some of the colors really pop. No. Oh, Yeah. Like you it's just you true. get the lush landscape. If I, if I remember right, the Germans had like green uniforms where there's some of the reds are really popping out. I mean, Tarantino did a good job with that. But yeah, I mean, there there's a lot of colors and tasty apple desserts and <laughs> yeah, there's more than just I gray like tanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, beautiful. Which it's a beautiful also, movie. Also, yeah, it humanizes it more. Not that you're sympathizing with the Nazis at any point, but I mean, that's what Sam Rockwell's character is for, right? Because it's just this character. That's a guy who's just lost and he doesn't... You get the vibe. You don't have a choice. He he, he feels like he doesn't have a choice and he knows he's part of the problem. Then he helps the kid in the very end. And I I like that. That's why I like the complexity of his character so much. Mm -hmm. You just don't see that ever with Nazi characters that all like nuances, you know, like that these people were still human. I think maybe that's the most powerful thing for me. It's not just this one mono character that this is all they are. Like there's just these like there's still a human person and there's nuances to that. Right, cuz Nazis in American movies are always white people shouting. Right? Right, like, it's that's just the only yeah, thing. they're just the bad guys. Yeah. Yeah, I don't Which know. I think they did a nice job of Rebel Wilson like throwing in like the joking <laughs> aspect of that character. <laughs> like she's supposed to be like <laughs> It's a great time to be a woman for Germany. <laughs> I've had 18 kids for Germany. My she has my favorite line in the movie, which is when she says, Oh um Gott. <laughs> so funny. Just the beginning where it's like summer camp for Nazi youth, like Coach K, everybody. <laughs> Oh, is it oh, Coach? No, not Coach. Is it Coach K? Yeah. yeah. K. Oh man. <laughs> oh, well, and that's yeah, also part of mo- that's also part of I think Taika modernizing it, right? It's just all these modern. It's like summer camp. The Beatles. Well, they had that. They had those. Camps. I know, but just the way he's because it's like a modern camp where it's like right. You know what right. I mean? The bonfire. You- it's time to burn some books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a beauty in modernizing that, which makes it more relatable. Because you know the actual camps were probably just very rigid and stiff. And oh, you mean they weren't I throwing bombs? No, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't beating each other with rocks. Well, grenade gr- practice grenade throwing was a thing even in regular gym class, like in school. Yeah, actually, let me let me dive into that 
really quickly. Yeah, let's talk about because it. Because I had this movie sparked this whole conversation between me and my dad. So my opa, for 10 years, you have um, Rassenlehre, which is um, like racial studies. So like by the time the war ended, he's what, like 18. How do you start your personality and being a human being from zero? Because like right up until... Because you're being indoctrinated over and over, and like this is what that scene in the movie of of Rebel Wilson, like this is what a Jew looks like. You have that for like your entire growing up, right? And then I also there's um an article by this guy wrote did a lot of writing. He was part of the Hitler Youth. Alphonse Heck, he since passed away, but he writes about how he he would have died for Hitler. Like he mm-hmm. this was his thing. Like the Hitler Youth right. was so. You, you know sed- seductive and you wanted to be there and you wanted to do well and he says my indoctrination wasn't like this w- isn't an excuse for what i was it's just a fact mm-hmm. you didn't have another choice of or another personality mm-hmm. like that's what that's why i'm saying like oh you dream of like oh if i would have been alive at the time i would have been a freedom fighter and i would you wouldn't have even known that there was another right. world out there like sure. our our opa believed that they were going to win right up until the very end. My dad, my dad said like, oh, selbst mit Wunderwaffen, like they believed there was all this technology and crazy weapons that they had access to and they were going to, you know, wipe out the rest of the world. Right. And it's just so silly to us now, which is what the movie does so well of like, again, poking holes in that ideology. Yeah. And another really interesting story was about as a Hitler youth, you were expected to go to have seen Hitler, right? To go to these rallies and like shake his right, hand and right. like, oh my God, that's what the Beatlemania is about, yeah. right? You you were yeah. expected to do that. And so he was, him and his class were marched to have, sorry, I'm trying to translate all this in my mind because I had this conversation in German. That's why I'm kind of stuttering. Da, da, but, <laughs> to have this interview to be part of the SS. And my old best, like, uh, is like a teenager at the time because they just needed cannon fodder, right? They just needed more recruits. And Opa did end up in the army later on. But even him and as indoctrinated as he was, he knew he didn't want to be part of the SS because it meant a certain degree of brutality mm. and inhumanity. So when they interview him, they ask, oh, have you seen the Führer? Because they expect him to have been to these rallies, right? And he pretends to be an idiot. He's like, oh, yeah, I've seen him. And they're like, where? And he points to the poster and he's like, he's right there. Well, there's like, yeah. so like, we'll set the scene. It's like you're, you're in an office. There's a guy behind the yeah. desk. And it's like when you go to any public office here, like there's a picture of the president up, right? Right. Right. So there's a picture there's of Hitler. Yeah, there's Hitler. a picture of Hitler behind this guy's desk. And then, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's, yeah, like, he's, see him right, he's there. right there. So they thought he was an idiot and he, he pretended to be an idiot so he wouldn't be drafted into the SS. Yeah. Which I find curious that even at that point, you know, you, you feel like something's not right. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to get more info when my opa was alive, but he just wouldn't talk about that time. And that's something my dad said too, that it was just so difficult to get anything out of that generation and mm-hmm. have them talk. On, on all sides, you know, right. to, even to have victims and survivors talk about that. And that was the danger of them, of the Germans, of us covering it up and mm-hmm. saying like, oh, this never happened because there was a huge movement towards that. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, gladly so many people did speak up and write books about it and write about the horrific experience, both in the concentration camps and in the Hitler Youth and in all these aspects 
of life. And it's just, yeah, again, you can't imagine what it's like being in a dictatorship and being surrounded by this 24-7 and then having to start your life over and realizing afterwards, which is that scene in the movie, right, where Art, where Archie Yates is like, oh, they hit, right. hit a lot of stuff from us and, like, the you know, things weren't what they were. And then mm-hmm. you're like, wait, what What was everything I believed in and thought was thought was true? Mm-hmm. I like that's kind of connected the same disconnect when like the berlin wall fell and like you have east germany and west germany like they were expected to like like the one we did the last podcast which is going to be coming out after this episode oh just kidding no go ahead go ahead it's a good teaser (laughs) yeah (laughs) well i mean just like everything they had grown up in the last 40 years and then like expected to like have that ideology like challenge and change it's just like it's kind of the same thing no yeah, yeah, it's not quite as harsh and terrifying, but yeah, it's I would say it's similar. Well, it's just a lot of nuance and everything, and I think we forget that. We just think black and white, good guys, bad guys. Well, they were bad, but they, they didn't they have a were, choice. Right. I, I'm, I'm just saying yeah. to, to find the nuance within the bad, it rarely happens. And, and then to find the nuance in the good, I mean, I wish someone would talk about all the bad things the u.s i mean the u.s wasn't just like a perfect oh, angel not. during world war ii you know no, what i mean we're not angels in any i'm just in, saying in we're like history, i'm saying nazi honestly. era specifically i mean the u.s didn't even want to enter the war until pearl harbor i mean there's a lot of evidence they let pearl harbor happen because they knew they had to go to the war but they didn't there wasn't public support for it so they needed something like pearl harbor you know like the there's well, so much. Well, it's just a history of the U.S. not getting involved with Europe, and that was their policy, which right. I 100% understand. But even if you look at a place like the U.K., they had to fight Germany because Germany was like, "We're we did the math, and our German soldiers are gonna take over the whole yeah. world like a bunch of idiots." They didn't go there to be heroes and save Jews and save you know Jews and right. and and all these refugees were being turned turned back and they had to go back to Germany, I think. And I think that's the danger there, which we've talked about before, is painting people as these open, you know, open-minded heroes when mm-hmm. really there was a lot, just it right. was a terrible time in history and a lot of prejudice all over the world, which is why Nazi ha- Germany happened in the first place. Yes. That's a good spot to end. No, no I'm you not got something done. else. Oh my god, how much more you got? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just want to talk about Alfie Allen because he was my absolute favorite character <laughs> really? in the movie. Sam Rockwell's sidekick. And he just watching him in the background when he's like got the headphones on, he's listening to music in the background, and that whole scene with the German shepherds and just I thought their relationship oh, about that. was so <laughs> adorable and so cute, and you could really feel this like love between them. I, I need to like see the movie again because there's so many. I don't even remember half the stuff because there's right. so much going on. You know what right. I mean? It's a very packed and movie. And that is, again, a brilliant joke at the end when the German shepherds oh, are fighting. God, so and good. And you see that with the kids and even women were fighting because by the end of the war, they were just sending anybody right. out there. You know, little kids, right. they were putting guns in their hands. And it's funny in the movie, but it's also, like, true. <laughs> Oh, and also the thing at the end, I consulted three different World War II experts and tried to Google it. Nobody had any evidence or stories about people just being executed in the streets like they show with Sam Rockwell. And I've found no evidence of them doing that to children. So that 
Right. I'm fine with that being made up for the movie. I was just trying to find out more sure. about that. Um, and I couldn't, like, people were being released as prisoner of wars. And then you have, of course, those famous trials for the higher up people right. um, in the Nazi regime. Just a little history facts that I tried so to. I'd be surprised if it Google. didn't happen, at least, because you have, you know. And that immediate, like, paranoia and hysteria. That, right. Yeah, sure. I just couldn't find Because scandalous shit happens in war and it's not always documented. So I'm sure there yeah. was somebody out there just shooting Nazis on the spot, but it's definitely wasn't a common occurrence and yeah no evidence that it happened to children and also something i think the movie did really well was using actual german writing which was all grammatically Mm. correct (laughs) thank the lord um but i was actually going to ask you stacy as a as somebody who doesn't read or write it i thought the movie did it well of like oh if you get this you get this but if you don't you're not missing anything was I that I didn't feel like right? I missed anything. Okay, because yeah. I, I don't think like the, the movie, writing on the metal costumes, right? Or when she writes "Dummkopf" on the on the like yeah. writing, or there's it says the Jew, but in German on the chalkboard. Right. I thought that you could still get it, but it was also respectful of actually using. Well, it's also very simple. Like okay, the when Jojo sent out to collect metal, he's wearing this big. Like red robot, <laughs> laughing just Germany. thinking about it. <laughs> yeah. And there's yeah on the on the costume, it's written in German. I mean, I, I forget like help, we need metal or right, something, something like, like that, that, right? Yeah. And it, it's all fairly small except for the metal part is in oh, huge. Right. It's in huge caps and metal in German and metal in English is, is yeah. basically the same word. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously something you thought about because that, that translates. You don't need to know German. You see, oh, robot, yeah. metal, get it. I've just seen so many movies that take place in... I think the Anna Karenina movie was like this too where it takes place in Russia, but then everything is written in English and every, you know, you just see some yeah. people not following yeah. through and I appreciated how much care Tiger takes especially with right. the with the writing in the book it looked like kids writing that was the type of cursive mm-hmm. like i learned in school right. and it looked like a little kid writing it, and even the drawings were kind of like kid drawings except for maybe that last one of the rabbit in the cage where it almost felt like a different style and i mm-hmm. think that was the point of that him opening the page up to that was mm-hmm. like a symbolism of what's happening right which I can 100% understand. This kid has just lost everybody. Like, he doesn't want to lose another person. You know, him lying to Elsa at the end. Yeah, of we didn't the even movie. talk about the lady that's hiding in the attic. Who <laughs> <laughs> does a great... She does a really good accent, too, actually. She yeah, she really was really good. good job. She was really good. I think she did phenomenal, especially in that one scene where she's, like, having to pretend that she's German. Oh, my God. Oh, and you so just, scary. like, see... Because, she, you know, she doesn't say anything, and it's all in her facial expression, like, the torment. But like she's hiding it, I, I, it was yeah. really done very well. Yeah, because you felt it. We have this complete difference in characters when the mom dies and like the boy's having a breakdown as he should, and she's already lost everyone. So she, just oh, her yeah. her reaction compared, mm-hmm. you know, she's like, "Yep, it's like another another day, in another the life. person." Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Which well, yeah, yeah. The ending of the movie is perfect thematically narrative like it makes sense but then logically i'm like wait where, where are you guys going or don't you have to wait for the dad to come back <laughs> like don't you want to wait for the that they say yeah, later on that they're like oh dad's gonna come back after the war i'm like i'm like where are you going you don't have money or food or a house. Right. like you should stay there <laughs> <laughs> it's true I'm just worried <laughs> <laughs> little kid's gonna fend for himself 
But how how old is she? Like what? Sixteen, seventeen? How old yeah, is she supposed she's to be? Yeah, she's seventeen. Right? I okay. Think, in the movie. Yeah, so she's gonna take care of him. Also, her her she has one of the most some of the most insightful lines. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, where she's like, "You're just a kid in a uniform who wants to be part of a club." Yeah. That was so point on. And when she was describing her people, she's like, "We've been." What was well, it? We've been she, chosen by God and we've wrestled angels and you're like, oh, that's such a great line. She's the only character that isn't really s- silly at any point in the movie. No, she, she just brings about, she brings the whole thing oh, down to earth. Right. You know what I mean? She, like you need that character. Yeah. You're right. Even the mom is funny scenes when she's praying to the dad and she smears the ass. Oh, when like, she does the like puppet thing. Yeah, like everyone, has, the... it's a comedy, it's a satire, everyone's doing silly stuff at one point and that is, um, what's her name, Elsa? Mm-hmm. That's the one character that really it ground you because you need that you need something to ground the whole movie. Yeah, oh, that's a lot of weight to put on a kid yeah. <laughs> actor. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I mean, without that, it doesn't work. Then it's just too silly, and you don't get the serious side of it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Also, I think something that I was confused about and that finally makes sense to me because the movie takes place over half a year, mm-hmm. and even towards that end of the war, they there were a lot of food shortages. Yeah. But I think the movie's trying to show, oh, by the end of the war, we're like looking around in trash to find food. In the beginning, it was more abundant, but time wise, it doesn't make that much sense to me because they. Like Sam Rockwell takes one bite out of an apple and then he throws it away. Or they kill right. that rabbit and then they throw it away. And I'm like, whoa, like you would never. Mm-hmm. You would never during like the war. But then you, all, you have the other side of it where the mom, she's not eating dinner because she's yeah, going yeah, to give her food to Elsa, right? I thought that was a little in, inconsistent okay, yeah. in the in the movie. But it was also just to show that the, these kids are just, just so evil. Which is part of the satire, well, right? Like Sam Rockwell's just... He takes one he bite and give throws a shit it away. Anymore. Yeah, <laughs> he's like. <laughs> well, no, it was also like beginning versus end too. No, what? Yes, which is what he was trying to show. But then yeah. time-wise, with it only yeah, being half a year, it doesn't make that much. It doesn't difference. make sense. Yeah, but again, what he, he's flawless. I'm sorry, Taika is my man. <laughs> He's well, yet to he's, fail. He's just knocking it out of the he's park. He's got this every thing time. going for him where he can now make whatever movie he wants. Give it to and me. And he's also a solid star like he can headline a movie as an actor too he's got having both of those you can it's really powerful when you're a famous director and then also a semi-famous actor i mean it's and writer he wrote the screen and writer this, yeah. He's, yeah wait he's, he's too talented he needs to go yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's I, I don't know where this he just came out of nowhere it's just making little new zealand movies I mean, thank God. Honest, okay, I know if it wasn't for Marvel, this movie doesn't exist. Exactly. So, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the beauty of that. That's true. Yeah, Mar- and his role in, in what we do in the shadows was so important for me at the time. I think people only became familiar with him after Thor. But we knew about him before that because I've never seen a person of color play a German person. In yeah, I don't movie. even I don't That's even know I how role. I don't even know how we found out about the, that vampire movie? It's something yeah. you found out because you made me watch it. I don't even know how that got on your radar. And then we watched Hunt for the Wilder People. Yeah. And, yeah. Which is great. Yeah, <laughs> he's fantastic. <laughs> that is a great movie. What else you got? Anything? No, I'm sorry. I'm done talking. I think we covered now. a lot. I think we're good. Um, Turn it off. 10 out of 10. I didn't mention the beginning, but we do have a new website. Modernlifepodcast.com. 
to think about that for a second. We're also on Instagram and Twitter at Modern Life Pod. You can email us at modernlifepod at gmail.com. We're always here for you if you want to talk. Just shoot us an email. Um, <laughs> on that note, yeah, 10 out of 10. You like the movie, Stacey, right? I love the movie. You love the movie. Yeah. I, I know you like the movie. I didn't know how much you liked the no, movie. No, I love the movie. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm down to see it again for it sure. Brilliant. It was brilliant. Nah. Nah. Yeah, you just, <laughs> you just don't get movies like this a lot anymore. Yeah, it's rare. It's Small a budget treasure. with star actors and star director and a really interesting subject matter that's done in a fresh way. I mean, it's just... I, I, like I, you get a lot of extremes now. You get like the Marvel action. I'm, I'm making it sound movie. like they were making these movies 50. Like you just don't get movies like this. Period. Yeah. Well, I mean, or you get like now you get also the like really serious. Like what's that movie we saw right before this movie? The mm. Joker. No, the. Mm. God, I have the worst memory. It's a um, Joker. What else did we? No, see? the one we saw with the the guy with the face. The old. <sighs> He's a clown. <laughs> Ship movie Island the, the Island movie? Yeah Not the island But the one with the castle, Oh with Tom the, Hanks And he's got the ball Wilson. I hate all of you guys So much Wait, What movie Are you talking about? The Lighthouse movie Oh, oh the Lighthouse So you get like those Like really serious Indie movies Where it's like Everything is about The artistic how oh, long have we point been on of view, or you get like the Marvel action movie to get like the comedy that's still serious and still poignant. And this I don't know. This movie has it all. Yeah, it does. It does. That's it all. Does. That was my point. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I remember. I think after Thor, I looked up. I went on IMDb, looked up. You know what else is Taika doing soon? And there was just in production said Jojo Rabbit and I clicked on it. I remember this and there was no info on the movie right no picture nothing there was just a little synopsis that I needed to be it just said like World War II related movie coming from Taika Waititi I'm like ugh not like, another one every, this is like a rite of passage every director has to do a World War II movie at some point I'm like well whatever you know I'll probably still watch it because it's Taika and then you know because you think it's just like another Saving Private Ryan or whatever, and then it's this, and you're like, oh my god, yeah. yes, awesome, thank you. Um, Which and we didn't mention, but Tiger is a, a, a Jewish director. That's right. Um, All right, well, that's it for this week. Um, do you want to tease? So, when are you releasing? Oh, the Berlin Wall. Watch out for November 9th. So November 9th, in the honor of the fall of the Berlin Wall, we're gonna be coming out with a thing. A thing. That's right. Da, da, da. I'm not saying what it is. Um, All awesome. Right. Thanks for Bye. listening, guys. We'll see you soon. Bye.